Welcome to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. My name is Sarah Devonier, and we're glad that you're here to meet Rachel and to hear her story. Um, she is going to talk a little bit about her experience with something that's important to talk about, maybe something that we don't talk about enough, which is her experience with depression and anxiety. So I wanted to talk about that at the outset so that you can sort of see where this is going and what she has to teach us from her personal experience about that combined with her faith. So let's start a little bit about your childhood experiences. Talk about where you're from and what your family was like. So I grew up in a small town in Montana. Um, we um, grew, I, I grew up in the church. All my siblings grew up in the church as well. How where many siblings in from? your family? Uh, six, well, six kids all together. Mm -hmm. So, so a big family. siblings, yep. And, um, you know, typical Mormon family and did scripture study as often as, you know, we could pretty regularly, family home evenings, things like that. Um, I think I was just kind of born with a believing heart and it was just always something I was very content with being part of the church and, and um, even like in my teenage years, it was just something I never questioned a whole lot. Um, I mean, I'd have questions come up, of course, but just it was easy for me to just believe and not let those questions get in the way. What about it in your early experience with what we would call a testimony appealed to you? You talk about that contentedness. What brought you that contentedness? Was there a certain idea or a certain principle? I think just the feeling um, of just feeling like I was at home or at peace with myself as I was involved and learned about the Savior and um, kind of did those things. It was something that was really grounding for me. And did you feel like your parents sort of developed, helped you develop that as well? For sure. I mean, being a good example of, you know, going to church every Sunday and, and just, you know, definitely getting us involved and making sure we were yeah. doing the things we needed to be doing to cultivate that. And I like that idea of sort of cultivating contentedness <laughs> and, and what that looks like and sometimes how easy that is versus sometimes how hard it is with cultivating that and trying to be content with the things that were allotted to mm -hmm. you elder maxwell lo loved to say that as you started to grow older were there things that made it harder for you to cultivate an attitude of just simply being content with your life and with your relationship with god oh, for sure i mean it definitely took time for me to get to that point. Um, in hindsight, I can say, you know, there definitely wasn't as much contentment as I thought, That's <laughs> if that makes sense, yeah. as I was going through it. Um, as probably 11, 12 years old is probably when I really started first feeling the effects of depression. Um, and that's really young to start feeling that. It is. And so it kind of, I don't know, everyone is just like, oh, junior high is so hard. And so I really normalized a lot of the stuff that I'm feeling. Like everyone doesn't like themselves. Everyone wishes they were dead. Everyone, you know, I just assumed that was normal. Um, so yeah, now in hindsight, I'm like, no, that wasn't normal. Like red flags everywhere. But, um, and it would kind of just come and go in cycles. And I'm still kind of, in that it's not a consistent thing all the time but it definitely have my good times and bad times and yeah um would you help paint a picture of what that was like first of all what it felt like especially for people who haven't experienced depression or anxiety what it felt like 
at first, how you recognized the signs, and then as you got older, how you realized that what you were feeling wasn't normal, and you realized right. some, something needed to be done with it. Um, yeah, so like I said, I did normalize a lot of those feelings at first, um, and just I remember just thinking consistently about you know, ways I could die, like not that I ever made a plan or anything, but just like, oh, it'd be so nice, you know, <laughs> these things are um, just this darkness that, you know, came into my mind, I guess. Um, and then the older I got and, you know, got married, had kids and all of this and, um, you know, definitely since it does cycle, it'd be like, oh, I'm just worn out because I'm a new mom. Oh, I'm just worn out because of this. I'll feel better when we get to this point in our lives. Um, and then finally, I'm like, I'm tired of waiting. <laughs> so did you have any treatment or help as a teenager or even I as a young not. mom? I didn't even really tell anyone, to be honest. And I still don't tell a lot of people, well, so this is a big thing. <laughs> we appreciate you being but, here so much because this is an important thing to talk about. I agree. You talk about feeling darkness and I think one way for people to combat that is to shine some light on it just with I education agree. and knowledge mm -hmm. and awareness of how people are feeling so at the time that you were a teenager and especially as a young mom how did you reconcile these feelings you were having with your relationship with God because I imagine that was pretty difficult yeah it was hard um there was kind of a I don't know, like we talked about, I just had a contentedness growing up, um, especially in my, you know, pre-teen years. And um, I still could get that sometimes. But um, just feeling not content was hard. And so I felt like I must be doing something wrong. Ugh. Like, you know, and I blamed it on a lot of things, like not getting enough sleep, which is totally a factor. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, none of us get enough <laughs> sleep, especially when we have kids, but that this is something right. different than that. Yeah. Um, and I remember one time I got up in Relief Society, just like when they used to kind of, you could bear your testimony on Fast Sunday, sometimes they'd save like the last, you know, five, 10 minutes if you didn't get a chance in sacrament meeting and just standing up and feeling like, I just am so busy. Like sometimes I feel like I can't even breathe. And like just the look on some people's faces, I was like, did I say something wrong? <laughs> And so I think that was one thing that I was like, okay, what's going on? And as I thought about it, like I really wasn't that, I mean, yes, young moms are busy, but it wasn't like I was involved in a million things. I was just trying to get through day to day and I was so overwhelmed and wow. just, yeah, just overwhelmed. And yeah. How did you get to the point where you weren't blaming yourself for that and, and realizing <laughs> you hadn't done anything wrong. Right. You weren't saying anything that was anything to be shocked about, but that it was it was a specific thing that you needed to be able to shed right. light on. What what happened mm -hmm. to shed light on that so you weren't blaming yourself or your situation or thinking, you know, something's wrong with me where you could right. realize there there's something I can do to right. shed light on it. To be honest, I'm still working on that. <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate but, you saying that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a journey. Like today, right now, I'm in a great place. So I'm like, of course, like, of course, it's not something I was doing. But when you get in that darkness, it's hard to keep sight on that. And so really a huge foundation that got me headed in the right direction 
um, was I was actually diagnosed with cancer. Well, and that, and we weren't expecting that to be right. something that would head you in the right direction. Explain right. that. So um, really, I think through that time, um, I just really, for whatever reason, I was able to give um, my Father in Heaven's, um, I guess, control over my physical body. Like I had to really just trust that He had a plan. And wherever it was going to lead, it was for the best. Um, and what about being diagnosed with cancer led you to that sort of yielding your will to God? I think because I had, I had no choice over the matter. Hmm. And I think sometimes with depression, we feel like we do have a choice, which, you know, like Elder Holland says, you know, I'm a big believer of squared shoulders and positive thinking, but sometimes it's not enough, you know. Um, anyway, so um, I didn't have a choice with the cancer. It wasn't something because I was out smoking or, you know, I had no control over that. And so I had to just trust that Heavenly Father knew what he was doing. And you know, very, very powerful and intimate moments, of course, through that whole process and that time in my life um, that just really taught me to trust and let go of a lot of fears. Um, what was it about the cancer diagnosis that would make you let go of fears? I think for some people, they would think it would just imbue them right. with an overwhelming pile of new fears. Well, How did it help you right. let go? Well, definitely we all have our own strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. So I don't know why the cancer thing was easier for me, but this depression thing is kicking my butt, you know? <laughs> um, but I think it was just a moment. Um, the day I was diagnosed, we kind of got done at the doctor's office in time to pick up our little kids from school. And, and how many kids do you um, have? I have five. five. So at the time, our youngest was three and our oldest had just turned 12, like the day before. Um, so I watched my kindergartner and my second grader walk out because I was like, I can't go into that school. <laughs> so I sent my husband in to grab them. And uh, he brought them out and I watched them walk to the car and they were just smiling, you know, they were done with school, they were with their dad. and. I was like, their, their life is gonna be shattered in a matter of minutes, you know? Um, and I was like, Heavenly Father, they need a mom, you know? And just the thought came to me, like, would you sacrifice your life if it meant that your children would build a testimony of the Savior and like really have to depend on Him? And I thought, well, of course I would, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it was that moment that just like helped put it all into perspective. Um, but it didn't mean that was easy from then on out for sure, but that was a very defining moment that I could draw back on in those moments that I started to lose trust and lose. Um, what an interesting perspective for, for you to overcome fears because of your perspective about your kids and, and mm -hmm. realizing this moment of you dealing with cancer could potentially be a symbolic moment for them of faith. Mm -hmm. and, and your reaction to the cancer could teach them about Jesus Christ, could teach mm -hmm. them about the Savior. And what's so fascinating about that, it's, it's so good to see you here and yes. healthy now. Yes, very grateful. But to look at that and, and think, that maybe that was more natural for you to take that approach with cancer, but for some reason with depression, you were hesitant to yes. see that as a moment where you could harness yeah. that 
that same pattern. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is about depression that makes that more difficult, having been through it, and right. especially teaching people mm -hmm. who haven't, that we're more reticent to, to let go of control. For some reason, we right. feel like we should be able to control it more right. than we could cancer or another illness. Right, and I think that's part of the trick of depression is that muddiness of mind, that mm -hmm. lack of clarity. Um, like I said, today I can see things so clearly because I'm in a good place, um, but when it creeps in and it just, um, you just lose that clarity, like I said, and um, it just makes it hard. I don't know if everyone experiences depression the same way I do, but um, there's been times it's so deep and so dark that you can't even really feel the spirit. And it's incredibly difficult to hold on to that faith and that trust when you don't feel like there's anything there that no one's listening. Yeah. So what did you take from that pattern of seeing this, your cancer as a moment for you to manifest your faith? faith? How did you apply that? to the depression. You said that, that was the moment, that yeah. was the pivotal moment when the epiphany came. I think honestly, it just dropped me. It knocked me on my feet. Just like, just that moment of like, I don't even know if I have any control of my life ever again, you know? Um, and it really just brought me to a place where I was like, not that I wasn't willing to go see a counselor before, but I guess whether it was stigma or whatever, I felt like seeing a counselor because I have cancer was like totally acceptable. And like that kind of started right. me in the right direction that way. So you were compartmentalizing less. Yes. Because sometimes we compartmentalize those weaknesses where certain weaknesses are okay to get help for. Right. But other ones maybe aren't. Right. So how interesting that getting help for cancer helped you get help for something right. else that was beyond your control. Right. How did getting that counseling help you during moments when you couldn't feel the spirit or when you felt spiritually weak? Did, did that help with your faith? I think, I think it did. Um, it's kind of tricky because it's not like you go see a counselor and walk out of the office and you're like, oh, that's just what I needed. I feel better now, you know, but it's just learning, I think, really to verbalize and learning how to um, just express how I'm feeling and like really what's going on inside of me and um, that is the most valuable. Because if you can put like your thoughts and your feelings out there, sometimes I think that just helps. Yeah, what there's is some it? sort of relief, you know? Yeah, what is it about labeling and verbalizing that helps you make a connection with your spirit and with God? I think that's an interesting yeah. perspective. Um, well, I think for me, like that muddiness of mind that I talked about and you're just feeling and um, thinking all these things, um, being able to write them out or say them out loud, um, it really focuses you into like, what do I want to say about this? Instead of just having it all just spinning around, going a million different directions, you have to really focus and like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. And like, now I can deal with it because I, I have a label to it. I know what it means and I can now it's something to work with. Yeah, and as we talk about increasing faith and maturing mm -hmm. faith, I think sometimes those labels do help us to deepen our faith. Even just in the Book of Mormon, I was thinking about how they wrote out mm -hmm. what they were going through. And even Moroni, who probably mm -hmm. 
felt some depression when he was by himself, that act of writing it down and labeling how he was feeling, I think probably really helped him get yeah. through it. How do you help yourself see that as a strength rather, rather than a weakness to identify, <laughs> label, and then get help with something like depression or anxiety? Um, I think, yeah, definitely there, there has to be a strength in just being able to be honest with what's going on. Um, and that's not something, like I said, I'm still working on that. <laughs> There's very few people that even know this side of me because it's intimidating. You know, you're putting a lot of thoughts and feelings out there that are very um, intimate, I guess. Yeah. And it's scary to think of what people might do with that. <laughs> what um, do you think people should do with it? If, if they find out someone that they love or care about is dealing with this, how do you wish they would approach it rather than maybe looking at you the way that you thought perceived that woman and really decided to look at you? you. <laughs> how, how do you wish that they would perceive it? Um, I think I think the hardest thing is a lot of people with depression have that tendency to just withdraw. But it's so hard to just keep the day moving in and of itself. Like, I don't have the energy to text someone and say, hey, I'm struggling, you know? Um, and so if friends or family find out, you know, just take that moment to say, how are you doing today? Um, and just be, I don't know, patient, I guess. Um, Cause I'm sure it's easy to get offended or feelings hurt that like, you know, you reach out and maybe you don't get something back, but to just know that sometimes it just might be too much and it has nothing yeah. to do with them as what's going on inside. Well, I think to look at it as an illness mm -hmm. and what your expectations are of someone who's not feeling well right. and sick, that you might have more charity towards them, more understanding. For sure. Let me ask you, you talked about being content as a child and then going through all of this, learning to yield up your will to God <laughs> and going through cancer. How is your relationship with God different now in, in good, positive ways sure. than it was when you were young? How, how does being content now look different after all that you've been through? It's definitely more intimate. That's the only word I can think to describe. Um, just understanding that I had a Savior that felt these same horrible <laughs> feelings. And there were moments you know, I think often of when Christ called out, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? We know Heavenly Father did not leave him alone, but that feeling had to come for all of those people that do feel that barrier through no fault of their own. Um, or when he walks out to his apostles, could you not wait with me one hour? You know, just that pleading of wishing someone could be there, but yet feeling blocked from feeling that. Because even if I'm in a room full of people that I know love me, sometimes that feeling of loneliness is so deep that it, it doesn't matter how many people are there. So just knowing everything that he has felt for me makes that intimacy so much stronger. Yeah, I love that 
sort of comparison of it's one thing to be content, but it's another thing to have an intimate relationship that brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Not constantly, not right. all the time, but those little glimmers mm-hmm. of joy that would hopefully make it worth it. If there were someone listening to this podcast right now who was feeling that darkness, like you said, maybe they can't feel the spirit because of their depression or anxiety, what would you tell them? Just hold on to those moments where you have felt it in the past. That's the only thing I can do. Um, Because there's times, like, I'll be honest, like, going to the temple isn't as, you know, I can't think of the right word. It doesn't bring that relief that you want to believe it always can. Or reading my scripture, sometimes it's almost works the opposite because I'm seeing everything that I'm not instead of everything I can be. Um, So I always give it a try, of course. (laughs) But there's sometimes like, you know, I can sit in the temple and not feel anything and it's super frustrating. Um, Especially when I've been so intimate with the Savior. Um, Anyway, so I just have to hold on to that those moments those intimate moments that have happened, even if it's sporadic, are very real and very powerful. And I just have to hold on because at least I do have those cycles and I'll get back to a place where I can feel them again. Yeah, and I, and I love that idea of holding on. And I hope your courageous words and your willingness to be here will help someone hold on because God tells us in the Doctrine and Covenants, if we draw near unto him, he will draw near unto us. He he is always holding on to mm-hmm. us, even if we can't feel it. And I thank you for that example and, and for being vulnerable. Thank I you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, those mists of darkness are very real. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um.